Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. What's going on, everybody, and welcome into Hog Hoops Live. I am your host, Curtis Wilkerson. You can find me over at hogsports.com with Trey Biddy, Danny West, and Andrew Ellis. Is it time to hit the panic button on Arkansas basketball? Razorbacks dropped their fourth straight game Wednesday night at Missouri. They have dug a deep hole for themselves to dig out of. We're going to break down that game, take a you know big picture look at where things stand with the Hogs and try to figure out how in the world they can get this thing turned around. Let's go ahead and get started. All right. By this point, you know all the ways you can watch and listen to the show. Be sure to throw us a like, thumbs up, five-star review. Those things really do help us a ton. We try to expand our reach, get out to all the Razorback fans out there. We definitely appreciate that. Is anybody frustrated? I'm frustrated, man. Is it time for the panic button here? I mean, I feel like it might be. You know, if not, when do you press it? I guess maybe for me it's more or less time to kind of recalibrate maybe that's the word for it when it comes to you know just what are reasonable expectations uh for this team this roster we'll see if it changes here in a couple weeks but look the the struggles are real right now for Arkansas they are you know (laughs) four straight losses for the first time since they hit that skid you know without Isaiah Joe in Musselman's first year in 2019-20 12 and 6 overall. They're 1 and 5 in SEC play. That's the worst start by far under Muss. Worst by an Arkansas team since I believe 2009. Shout out John Pelfrey, right? Arkansas's winless on the road. They're 0 and 4 right now away from home. LSU is the only other SEC team in the same boat. Last place in the league standings, tied for last. A third of the way in, into the conference slate. I mean, this is a battle for the basement. Coming against Ole Miss this weekend, who would have thought that, that we'd be at this point right now? And, and look, don't get me wrong, a couple key injuries have absolutely not helped matters at all. Can't overstate that. Still hard not to wonder how the hell we got to this point. Still a good team, still a talented team. Frankly, we shouldn't be at this point. I don't think. Arkansas should not have lost that game at LSU to open SEC play. It just shouldn't have. It was an opportunity missed. Arkansas should not have collapsed at at Vanderbilt, blown a 10-point lead at Vanderbilt over the weekend. Just shouldn't have happened. Those are the ones that you got to get, right? And, you know, I think while it's probably one of the more excusable losses that Arkansas has taken, man, the Hogs shouldn't have lost that game in Missouri last night after leading by 10 with five minutes to go. I'm sorry. I don't care about the officiating. We'll talk about it more in depth here, but, you know, what we have here, I think, is a team that, man, they're still very talented, they're very capable, but it's a team that's young, they don't have an established identity right now, and they're still trying to get over that hump and find ways to finish games in the SEC, especially on the road. It's difficult to do, and look, that's that's part of the process with this group, but man, it's not where you want to be in late January. 79-76 79-76 loss at, at Missouri Wednesday night. Oh, man, you know, there were actually a lot of positive developments, I think, that came out of this game. It's just really unfortunate, uh, you know, that they kind of snatched defeat from the from the jaws of victory again. Arkansas had this game under control, and it just kind of unraveled on them down the stretch. Uh, you know, like I said, though, there were some positives. You know, after Musk called the team out for – essentially a lack of competitive competitiveness at, at Vanderbilt, especially in the second half over the weekend, I was really impressed with the intensity they came out and played with at Missouri. 
the defense was dialed in, man. You know, I, I think Missouri was having a hard time even getting shots off in the first half unless Arkansas gift-wrapped them with, with some careless turnovers. And that's what really cost them in this game, especially early. You know, 14 turnovers led to 18 points for Missouri in the first half alone. Nine of those came from your two primary ball handlers, Anthony Black and, and Devo Davis. And listen, hey, credit to those guys for cleaning it up a lot after the break. Uh, but man, that number's just way too high. It's just too high. Some some kind of care, you know lackadaisical, casual passing, uh, travel calls, getting ripped in the open floor. Uh, just, just a rough start in the ball security department for a couple guys who played really, really well in several other areas of the game. You know, the fouls started to mount up there in the first half on Arkansas. What'd they have? It was Council, Walsh, um, Kamani Johnson. So, so you know, three of your key guys there. And then Pinion, when he came in, they all had two quick fouls in the first half. That's four guys, right? And so, hey, which reminds me, by the way, I don't want to forget, shout out to Darian Ford for really doing a nice job. Thrown into the fire there, you know, for the, the last eight minutes of the first half and you know, Darian's a, he's a talented freshman. He hasn't played a lot, doesn't have a lot of experience under his belt. So you get thrown into a hostile environment on the road. You haven't gotten a lot of tick. That's one of those situations to me, you know, where if I'm a coach, I'm just saying, Hey man, go in there. Don't make a bunch of mistakes. Just get us by, right? Just get us by. Don't be a liability. I thought he was an asset. He looked really good out there. He, he was up for the moment defensively. He brought that intensity. He's a physical dude now. And then he gave you a little bit of pop on the offensive end. He almost converted a three-point play. Uh, it dropped just a little bit short. But, hey, he went up there and calmly sank a pair of free throws on the road in a close game. Good job. He had a tough left-handed finish in there. Good job. He did have one, one turnover, one miscue that led to a dunk on the other end of the floor. But, hey, Arkansas had plenty of those in the first half. I thought, for the most part, Darian Ford did a really nice job uh, of kind of keeping Arkansas afloat. I think they were up by one when he went in, and they were up by one at halftime. Good job. They needed that because they couldn't keep other guys on the floor due to the fouls. It was crazy. But, you know, like I see, Arkansas did get to the half with that one-point lead, but it just felt like maybe an opportunity missed to have not built up more of a cushion. They played pretty well in the first half outside of the turnovers, but, man, you know, when you, you hold down Missouri as well as you did, I think they were like one of their first 13 from the field. Uh you know, they couldn't really get anything going on that end of the floor. Arkansas, I thought, was scoring it pretty well, fairly efficiently. Uh, man, I felt like they could have been up six, eight points, maybe even more. But, boy, the turnovers got them there in the first half. And then I, I thought Missouri really came out the aggressor in the second half, and, and they responded. They built up a six-point lead. Uh, you know, they hit a three, got a turnover, got a dunk. And, and, you know, Missouri Arena was going nuts. It's a good crowd at, at Missouri last night. It forced a timeout, and you know I I think there was about 16 minutes to go in the game at that point. But I tweeted at the time, you know, there was kind of a huge gut check moment for Arkansas because they have not responded well, you know, to runs like this on the road all season. They haven't done it. Uh, they really came apart at Vanderbilt over the weekend. So it was like, okay, what's going to happen here? How are they going to respond? I thought they responded tremendously as good as you could have expected or, or asked for you know the hogs really answered the bell a 25 to 9 run after that timeout so they go from down six to up 10 going into the final five minutes of the game and you're thinking man they're going to get over the hump tonight this is it this is that turnaround we see it every year wrong again <laughs> you know it, it took missouri less than three minutes to come back and tie that game they pull it out there at the end uh you know anthony black had a look uh, there from three at, at the end of the game. He got his defender in the air. I thought he might draw a foul, but, uh, you know, he didn't. The Arkansas falls to 0-4 on the road. Lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of complaining about the officiating down the final stretch. Um, listen, if you know me, you know that I do not blame the official. I'm just not, that's just not my MO. I never use that as an excuse. I don't. And I won't in this game because there's a lot of things Arkansas could have done a lot better to avoid coughing up a 10-point lead and, and losing that game. But, hey, okay, I'm not a crazy person. Some of that was nuts, <laughs> right? I mean, some of it was. And and so the things that people were complaining about, I you know, 
I agree with a lot of it. Some of it I don't, whatever. But yeah, I'm aware of, of what went down there. In the last five minutes of the game, Arkansas was called for 11 fouls. Missouri was whistled for one. Missouri shot 17 free throws. Arkansas, two. So I went back and looked at it this morning, and I think a, you know, a few things can be true. First, look, Arkansas has a fouling problem. Okay, we can believe in the conspiracy theories all you want that, you know, the refs don't like Muss or, or the team chirps too much or the Zebras are taking it out on them, whatever. But at the end of the day, I mean, we're 18 games into the season. Arkansas ranks 324th in the country in fouls per game. They rank 322nd in opponent free throw rate. This is not a new issue. It's been all year. You know, the Hogs are aggressive defensively, and that comes at a risk. And, and yes, it's amplified in an SEC that averages more foul calls per game than any conference in the country. Absolutely. And again, a few things can be true. You know, if you look at those 17 free throws for Missouri down the stretch, well, how did they occur? Six of them came on intentional fouls that Arkansas had to make in the final 15 seconds. And those are legit. You had to foul there. Two of them came after Devo tackled a guy in the lane. Two of them came after Devo left his feet and, and fouled someone. They got into his body. Two of them came after Anthony Black had to sprint back in transition uh, because Sean East leaked out. He had a leak out layup. You know, AB had to get back there and, and foul him. You can't just give up a layup there. You know, so a dozen of those off the top are 100% legit earned. Arkansas does have a fouling problem. Four guys fouled out of this game. There were, there were 33 total called. It is what it is. You know, it's a pattern at this point. But what I will say is that there were three calls in that particular. There were, there were more, I'll admit, throughout the course of the game. But in that final five-minute stretch where Missouri came back and, and won it there, there were three calls that really stood out to me near the end. The first was the phantom foul on Makai Mitchell. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. I feel like I could have walked through the gap between him and Golston on that fallaway jumper on the baseline. I don't know what they saw there. You know, maybe he had a hand on him on the drive. If so, then how is it a shooting foul? I don't think college does the continuation rule. Um, man, he missed the free throw. Okay, so that's good. But it fouled Makai out. And he played 35 minutes in the game. Arkansas needed him out there. So that, that was a big play. Cost him. Then there was the charge call against Devo with 43 seconds left. You know, the, the Missouri player was set. He took it. But I just have no explanation for how a review, a replay, did not overturn this play when the defender was very clearly inside the restricted area. That's tough, man. I mean, that goes from, from Arkansas shooting free throws to Missouri shooting free throws. It's a, that's a big swing right there. and a, I, don't, I can't remember if the game was tied or it was a two-point game. It was close, obviously, down the stretch. Man, they just didn't get that one right, unless I'm just completely missing something in the rules. And the last one that, that stood out to me, you know, kind of in that final minute was the fifth foul on Kamani Johnson. I mean, with 20, 29 seconds left, Kobe Brown did get position on him in the paint. You know, Kamani was stuck behind him, uh, you know, but he appeared, he appeared to wall up, right? And he didn't look to initiate contact there, especially given how physical the game was. Uh, but, you know, Brown had position on him. He got the whistle there. Uh, that's probably the least of the ones that, that irritated me, but yeah, no, absolutely. There were some plays there that were killers. Uh, but you know, Arkansas also could have done so many other things, right. To avoid being in, in a situation where that costs you. And that's life on the road in the sec, man. That, that's how it is. You know, Dennis Gates, Missouri's head coach, he was heated when they left Bud Walton arena because you know, he, he felt like they got homered in Fayetteville. I don't know. Maybe they did. Arkansas kind of got their taste of it there, but it's, it's it's unfortunate. You know, all they really had to do was, was you know, take better care of the basketball, milk the clock down the stretch, and, and they go home winners in this one. Uh, they didn't do that. Anthony Black had the late floater. He hit the three. And he really kept things interesting, right, the final few seconds. He extended the game a couple times. Uh, man, like I was saying earlier, he had his, his defender up in the air on that final possession. I thought he could have maybe gotten to his body. When once you get him in the air, you know, all bets are off. I, I thought he might go into his body there and see if he could get that call and, and get to the free throw line. 
um, that's a lot of pressure to go knock down three in a row to send it to overtime, but it would have gave you a, you know, a better shot than the, the 30, 35 foot or whatever it was there. It's one of those bang, bang plays, you know, in the final seconds. I don't know if they, maybe they could have called a, a timeout once they got it across half court there, they would have had what, two and a half left. Maybe draw something up on the side. I, I don't know. I think they had a timeout left, but. You know, AB took responsibility for the loss after the game. It, it, to me, it, as the point guard with a big lead late in the game, uh, you know, he knows it's on his shoulders to kind of navigate that stretch, maybe better than Arkansas did. Um, I thought that was a sign of maturity from him to own it. I mean, it, I, I think there are many factors, some in Arkansas's control and, and some that weren't, you know, that, that kind of played into that. But for him to just kind of wear it, uh, that's a sign of a, of a player that, that might be growing up a little bit. So I, I thought that was good. I mean, he flirted with a triple-double. You know, he had 15, 8, and 7. Too many turnovers. You know, I, I think he had five, all you know, all but one of them were in the first half. It's just still a growing process with him right now. Devo was kind of similar. I, I think the only difference is he's a third-year player. You know, more seasoned. He's been in these battles. Uh, six turnovers, e even though the charge there was crazy. Um, that's just too many. But, man, he hit some huge shots now. 18 points, he hit three three-pointers. He's quietly starting to heat up from three a little bit. When he's got his feet set and he's catching, shooting, he's in rhythm, it looks good coming out of his hand. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast people say he's taking too many shots sometimes but to me he seems like the one guy that's kind of willing and, and able to create one he had nine rebounds he defended hodge really well against missouri's uh, leading scorer in the backcourt you know outside of the turnovers i thought he played really well Council had 13. You know, he he battled foul trouble in this one. Um, I thought he showed some things defensively that we haven't seen as much lately. Really active hands. I think he came up with three steals. He had a, a number of deflections when he checked back in in the second half. Uh, just a lot more engaged and active on that end of the floor. That, that's a good sign. But his last made field goal came with more than 10 minutes to play. And he didn't score in, in the final five minutes there when Missouri made their run. He made a couple free throws, I think, right before it started. And that was it. And that's a couple times that's happened now recently. Arkansas has got to have its leading scorer 
uh, you know, be a factor in tight games like this late. They need him. Speaking of needing him, you know, Jordan Walsh, he was incredible. He's a guy who's really, really struggled, especially offensively um, in the last three games. He was incredible when he was on the floor. You know, 12 points, he was 4 of 4 shooting, he knocked down a couple threes, he was assertive, he looked confident, but he fouled out in 13 minutes. And look, we can say there you know, there are ticky-tack calls against him, um, and that might be true, but man, this you know, it's been an issue for him all season. At some point, you know, you've got to adjust to the way the refs are whistling you. You know, through six games in SEC play, he's got 20 made field goals and free throws combined to 22 fouls. You know, like Must said after the game, the way he was playing, his minutes would have been a lot higher if not for the foul trouble. You know, when he's dialed in like that, the Hogs have to have him on the floor and to only get 13 minutes out of him when he's playing as well as he was, that, that's tough. He would have absolutely been in there down the stretch. So, you know, again, we see a young player, a freshman, uh, with so much promise that's still got some adjustments to make, some growing to do, uh, man, and, and the sense of urgency for it to happen is increasing with every game that passes. So, you know, these downswings suck. I, I don't like it. I don't like covering it. <laughs> you know, I, I know the team's struggling with it. Uh, the coaches are ticked. The players don't like it. Uh, but, you know, was there some progress in the process at Missouri despite the loss? Yeah, I think there was. You know, but at the end of the night, you had 21 turnovers that resulted in 31 Missouri points. And, and the Tigers, fair or not, shot 40 free throws. I mean, that those two things right there are just, it's hard to overcome anywhere, especially at home. It, you know, I, I feel like the Hogs have kind of hit that mode. You know, I was, I was talking earlier about that. We just don't know what their identity is yet. Um, obviously, it changed when, when Trevin and Nick went out. And I think they're still trying to figure out exactly who they are. You know, what's their MO? What's the DNA of this group? We've kind of hit that mode where different issues arise from game to game. And they just can't quite put together that full 40 minutes. You know, people talk a lot about the the perimeter shooting. And it's a weakness, right? Don't get me wrong. Uh, You know, but you've lost two straight games here despite shooting 40% from deep with seven makes in both of them. There were seven of eighteen at Vandy, seven of seventeen at Missouri last night. That anybody in in the country would take that. So you know you're getting better results from what was a, a major weak spot that was impacting the way teams were defending you. Uh, but now other issues are are kind of causing you. You know at, at, at Vanderbilt it was the defense that faltered. You know gave up sixty three points and a half. Um, you know, kind of got lit up from three against Bama and Vandy. That had been a strength. Arkansas was a top 25 three-point defense in the country a week ago. Right? But at Mizzou, they kind of corrected that. Held them to five of 20 from three. This is a Missouri team that was second in the SEC and made threes per game and percentage. The defensive intensity was better. We talked about that competitive spirit that they played with. The on-ball defense was better than it has been. I saw some actual help defense at times. So then there's there's progress there in some areas they've been struggling, but uh, you know this time it was it was it was turnovers and fouls. So you know have to clean those things up next time out without letting other areas slip. It's about putting that full forty minutes of basketball together. You know, does it, yeah, man, how does Arkansas start finishing these games? Because they've had what, man, you know, at least two or three now. Uh, boy, that that you, you know they they probably really wish they could have back. I think some of the issue right now is I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sure, you know, who the guy is for this team right now. Like last year, hey, listen, for better or worse, you knew in crunch time it was JD Note's world. Give him the ball, let him rock. You know, and, and a lot of times that was gonna be a shot, sometimes it was gonna be a poor one. But you knew he was a guy who you could count on to make a play with you, to handle the ball, to, to you know, to to handle those situations. And right now, I'm just not entirely sure who it is. And that doesn't mean they don't have guys who aren't capable. You know, I think Council probably seems like the most logical option. He's the best creator, the best ISO guy. He's your leading scorer. But you know, as we pointed out, he's kind of had a pattern here recently of uh, of disappearing a little bit. You know, late in games. I think Anthony Black is a guy who's capable. I think he tried to be that guy last night. We talked about some of the you know the plays he made down the stretch. Um, I'm not sure if that's his wheelhouse, though. You know, he's he's just kind of a, 
you know, a well-rounded player as opposed to a takeover player, maybe that's a, you know, an adjustment in mindset that he has to make. Not many six, seven point guards out there that can do the things that he does. So maybe it's him. You know, Debo, I think you know, he, he wants to be, or he's willing to be that guy. You know, he has the experience. He's had the moments in big games. Uh, is he your best option? I don't know. You know, if Arkansas was to get a healthy Nick Smith back, I think that would be your answer, right? Uh, and the hope is that they'll get him, you know, back at some point here. But I just feel like that's putting an awful lot on the shoulders of, of a freshman who's only played, you know, about three full games of college basketball. You know, he hasn't been on the floor or, or even with the team as, as he has been out, you know, in L.A. rehabbing for a significant period of time now. So if he does come back, uh, you know, I think it's going to take a, a while for him to get rolling and get back in the flow of things, you know, with, with the team and, and just playing ball again. Um, so you want to put so much on him right away, if, you know, if he does return. And then I think the question is, you know, will Arkansas be able to keep from burying itself before he does get back? I don't know. What I do know is that the big picture is getting really dicey really quick. So... Look, if, if the NCAA tournament started today, Arkansas would be in. Sure. I think they're probably trending. You know, I don't know. I haven't looked after last night's loss, but they're probably trending on that 8-9 line, and I would, I would imagine, in most bracketologies. Um, they're okay for the moment, but you got to kind of look at the big picture, and they're approaching worrisome territory when it comes to even making the dance. I'm, I'm sorry, they just are. I think they're going to get there. But they got work to do. They're still at 27th in the net. That's good. That's a strong number. But the resume, man, there's not a lot to it right now. One in four in quad one games. Then they're three and two in quadrant two. The best win is San Diego State or, or an Oklahoma team that, you know, they're they're a bubble team at best. I mean, those are nice wins, but those aren't like signature wins, right? That's why I was really hoping they would pull that one out at home against Alabama. Uh, you know, especially you you battle back. It's a two point game there, and they call that timeout under five. And then you know that the three point barrage happened, and, and it was a missed opportunity. But that that's a signature win. You know. You know, so that, to me, there's there's just not enough beef from the non conference schedule. You, I mean, you still got the Baylor game, but. Right now, there's not enough beef in that non-conference schedule to finish below 500 in the SEC and expect to get in. And and some of you are probably like, what do you, what do you mean finish below 500 in the SEC? They're not going to do that. Well, they're 1-5 right now. Okay, so this slow start looms large for sure. I mean, they've got to go 8-4 and four at worst the rest of the way to get to 500. I mean, it sounds doable. They got some work to, you know, there's work to be done there. We're talking about those signature wins. I mean, there, there's five more quad one opportunities to help the resume, which is good. Uh, and Arkansas needs to take advantage of, of multiple of them to improve their positioning. But the problem is every single one of them is on the road where they're currently winless, <laughs> you know. And, and also the margin for error for slip-ups at this point is non-existent. You know, so to me... Yes, we have reached this point. Like the next two home games here against Ole Miss and LSU are 100% absolute must-win games. No question. Got to have them. It's got to be home sweet home in Bud Walton Arena, period. Yeah, I get it. You could lose every game the rest of the year and, and win the SEC tournament and get to the dance, whatever. But we're not talking about that. If, if you want a large bid, um, you got to win these two games. Have to. For many reasons, one, just start stacking wins, two, to, to start climbing the SEC standings, and three, uh, just to get some confidence and momentum back. Winning cures all, right? And, and these are prime opportunities for Arkansas to get it done. Um, Ole Miss, not very good. LSU, not playing very well at all. I know they beat Arkansas on the road earlier in the year, but these are games that you should win at home. Schedule stinks, though. It, it, it's... I, I got to thinking about it last night after Musk was talking about it in the post game, where he said, I, I can't recall a more difficult schedule. And, and you know, on the surface, I was like, well, I don't know, man. I could probably recall some. But if you really think about it, you know, Arkansas gets four of its first six on the road to start SEC play. That ain't easy. 
and and you know one of the two home games was against arguably the best team in the country right now in Alabama. The other one was against a Missouri team that was ranked in the top 25 at the time. And so then you think, okay, well, you know, it's going to balance out. And yeah, they give you three straight league games at home, which is nice here, uh, but it's actually misleading because Arkansas gets Ole Miss and LSU at home in the next two games, but then they get that break. They've got to go play at Baylor in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. And listen, Baylor is not the national championship Baylor that we saw a couple years ago. But they're a really, really good team that plays in a really, really good league, uh, and it's tough to win in that arena. That's that's a that's a <laughs> that's a tough game uh, for Arkansas there. And then they've got a super quick turnaround. You know, that's a Saturday afternoon on the road. You travel back home, and then you've got the quick turnaround for a Tuesday against a Texas A&M team uh, that has traditionally been a, a bad matchup for whatever reason. Uh, you know, for Muss and Arkansas, and they're also undefeated in league play right now at 5-0, and by the way. Neat. So th- the challenges are there, you know, not to mention Arkansas still somehow has road games after that at Kentucky, at Alabama, at Tennessee. And what the hell <laughs> is going on? That's tough, man. So, yeah, I mean, listen, I'm the first guy to say trust in Muss, but, you know, I, I also... Uh, you know, like I said, I'm kind of, I've kind of recalibrated my approach here that, you know, while I, I expect fully expect, you know, him to have the hogs playing really good basketball down the stretch. I, I don't know that I expect them to, you know, rattle off 10 straight wins or, you know, 11 or of 12 or whatever they've done in the past couple of years, just given the gauntlet here, if they do it, give that man his coach of the year plaque right away. But you know, the most important game on the schedule is the next game on the schedule. I mean, that's that's how they've dug out of these holes in the past. You take it one game and, and one step at a time. Uh, you can't, if, if you're a player or, you know, a coach on the team, you can't think about the things that we're talking about here. You just got to go one at a time. That's all you can do. Control what you can control in the moment. Um, so that means Ole Miss on, on Saturday. Ole Miss is 9-9. Nine and nine. 500 on the season. They just snapped a, a six-game losing streak uh, and got on the board in SEC play with a with a win at South Carolina. So both Arkansas and Ole Miss are, are one in five in the league right now. The Rebels actually shoot worse from three than Arkansas uh, by 0.1%. I think Arkansas is 29.8% and, and Ole Miss is 29.7. I think they've made a few more than the Hogs, but, you know, there's that. Listen, you know, the Hogs are more talented um, – I think they're a better coach team than Ole Miss. Uh, the game is at home. I do have some concerns, though, <laughs> about this one. Uh, I, to me, there is just nothing about an early 11 a.m. tip against Kermit Davis's one-three-one zone defense that sounds appetizing to me. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. So I, I think it's going to be really important for Arkansas to show up ready to play and, and not coming out flat in this game. Early tip against that zone defense. Boy, that's it's bothersome. Matthew Morrell is, is the name to know for Ole Miss. He's the only guy scoring in double figures for him at, at 15.6 points per game. Um, he's definitely their go-to guy. He's taken more than 100 shots more than the next highest guy on the team. So... He hoists it, man. He he puts him up there. Good guard. He played for him last year. I think he was a freshman last year. Uh, Amari Abram is a, another guy to be aware of. Capable of doing damage. A freshman wing. He had some monster games early in the season. I remember watching him over Thanksgiving break. Uh, they were at one of those you know tournaments, kind of like Arkansas was out at Maui. They were at one. Um, I think I watched him play Oklahoma. He had a big game. Maybe Stanford, he had a big game. See, he had some monster games early in the year. He's cooled off in league play, but he's, you know, he's a guy that, that's capable. But Arkansas has got to get it done in this one. And and quite honestly, it doesn't matter how it looks. You know, if, if this is, you know, Ole Miss is a, a team that likes to slow it down and, and they don't score a bunch and they like to defend. And if Arkansas wins this game 45 to 44, who cares? It, right now it's just about kind of snapping that skid, uh, and just reversing course, right, and, and taking it one step at a time and, and progressing forward. So, all right. Let's see what we got in the chat. 
I wonder if people are mad about the officiating. Let's see. All right. Cody L. James says, don't press the, don't press the button yet. We're uh, going on a pretty easy stretch. Uh-oh, you just rolled off here. Man, it gets on my nerves when that happens. Yeah, I completely lost you. Well, hopefully I can come back and find you again. Let's try this. Tyler Miller says, Devo needs to get himself under control. He had such a positive impact in last night's game, but he has so many boneheaded plays each game. That's Devo for you. Man, you take the good with the bad. I, you know, and, and I do think that you know, he's, actually, he's been mostly really solid for Arkansas in SEC play. Um, you know, he's had some of those games where he's taken a ton of shots and, and, you know, maybe you like to see that reeled in a little bit, but yeah, I mean, somebody has got to do it at this point. I thought outside of the turnovers, he was really good last night. Um, but you're right. I mean, he's, he's a, he's a third year guard. You can't have six turnovers in a game. Um, man, if you take that away, you just cut those in half. I mean, three turnovers is still a lot in the game, but you cut that in half and you look at the rest of his stat line, you're like, man, he played great. So Jonathan Parker says, we only score like five points the last three minutes. Can't win games uh, that way, even with good refs. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think Missouri scored, what was it, like they scored on 11 of their last 12 possessions or something. I, I mean, I, I think they had in that five-minute stretch just three made field goals, three made baskets from the field, but I think they were 15 of 17, uh, you know, from the line. But, you know, Arkansas had opportunities there to match them, right, and, and they didn't really do that. They weren't able to get to the line that much. Um, and that's something else that I looked at, you know, maybe there was a, a couple things here or there that, you know, could have been whistled that, that sent them to the line, but I didn't see a ton of it. You know, in a lot of instances, um, you know, Arkansas, they kind of were, they were kind of turning it over or, you know, settling for jumpers. Um, but yeah, I mean, you got to execute better down the stretch, even if it's eight on five or, or whatever in the final five minutes, boy, when you have a double digit lead, you, you still need to be able to pull that one out. I agree. Dustin Hoofman said, free throws and rebounding were much better. Once this team finds some wins, they will be a dangerous team. Can't give up on them uh, and expect them to produce. Yeah, the free throws were great. Were they, like 23 of 26? I mean, they were almost 90%. They've been shooting like 62% in, in SEC play, so that was good. Uh, the rebounding was good. You knew they'd have an advantage there. Missouri really struggles on the boards. Uh, you know, Arkansas out-rebounded them by 20, which is good. And they had 13 offensive rebounds. Uh, but they really weren't turning them into second chance points. And I think that was one area that they could have done a better job at is, you know, securing those and taking advantage of the extra possessions. They didn't do that uh, as well as they did against Missouri in Fayetteville. Calvin Whitaker says we will start a four game winning streak starting Saturday against Ole Miss uh, before the Baylor game. I hope so. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, you know, I do projections or, or predictions or whatever before every game, and I, I, I I'll absolutely be picking Arkansas to beat Ole Miss and LSU. Um, but I don't. I mean, is their first road win going to be at Baylor? It could be. I mean, it's just, I mean they're fully capable, but I, I mean, is that the one they're going to get over the hump in? I I don't know. I hope so. And I really I worry a lot about that quick turnaround. Uh, you know, with Texas A and M because. You know, I think Arkansas is a more talented team, but for whatever reason, I don't know what it is, but that style of play, you know, from the Aggies, man, it gives Arkansas fits. It did two years ago during the COVID year when, when A&M wasn't good at all, um, and they gave Arkansas a lot of trouble. The Hogs won that game in Bud Walton Arena last year. Uh, you know, they lost at Texas A&M. Was, was it an overtime game in Fayetteville? I think it was. Arkansas won, but... Man, it was a dogfight, and then the Aggies just just beat the doors off of them at the SEC tournament. For whatever reason, it's just a weird matchup. So, you know, playing an important game on the road at Baylor on a Saturday, then having that Tuesday turn, ugh, that's tough. It's a good thing it's at home, though. Obviously, that that helps. To be at Bud Walton Arena always helps. Gil McGarity says, do you think Muss would be here next year? I, I certainly think so. I mean... I don't know. I don't know why he wouldn't be. I mean, I think, you know, with with some of these openings that may or may not happen, you know, people are probably going to come after him. Who knows what's going to happen with this Texas situation? I mean, the you know Rodney Terry, the interim, is doing a pretty good job over there right now. They're going to have a ton of interest in that job. I know you know Musk is probably on that short list. I don't know if that's a job he would take though. Um, 
could be. A lot of people were talking about Kentucky and, you know, whether or not that's going to open up. It looks like Calipari is kind of starting to get that thing turned around. You know, as, as soon as people gave up on him, they whipped up on Tennessee on the road uh, and, and beat Georgia. So we'll see what happens there. But, uh, you know, when you have success like like Muss has had, you know, there's going to be opportunities out there for him. But uh, like I've said in the past, man, he's he's I think he understands you know, he's kind of got a pretty good situation here at Arkansas. And, and I also think uh, that they're going to pay him. And he's making top 10 money, or at least he was when he signed his initial extension. But I would be surprised, um, you know, if there wasn't a, a raise on the table here at some point. Let's see here. Um, Tim Eskew says, Curtis, uh, Missouri, I'm from Missouri. Well, I, hey, listen, brother, I lived there for 15 years, so I think I know what you're getting at here. Uh it says, Missouri can't do this to me, and certainly not at 10.30 p.m. Razorback fans have a constant desire to blame the officials for every loss. The reality, we foul. We foul a lot. We were 320 in the NCAA in fouls per game. Uh, it's a lousy characteristic of this basketball team. It's it's a Razorback program, not an officiating problem. Uh, yeah, I think I hit on some of those stats earlier. I, Yeah, I mean, Arkansas has a fouling problem. They absolutely do. Uh, you know, it's interesting because in past years – Arkansas has always been good at getting to the free throw line under Eric Musselman, right? Uh, but they've also been pretty good about keeping opponents off of it. So that disparity uh, has always been in Arkansas's favor. And this year it's not. Um, and some of that is is the give or take, you know, with the way that they play defense because they're so aggressive. They like to be disruptive. That's naturally going to lend itself to more fouling. And, and there's some discipline issues there too in terms of, you know, keeping guys in front and, and taking the right angles and, you know, not being – overly aggressive and, and picking your spots to reach and everything like that. That's all fine. Um, here's my thing. If Arkansas is going to foul a lot because they're being overly aggressive, uh, I, I feel like they need to kind of balance that out by reaping the benefits of being aggressive, which means generating a bunch of steals and turnovers, right? They were doing that at the beginning of the season at high, high rate, top 20 in the country uh, in generating those. And it was fueling a lot of the offense. So we weren't seeing a lot of these issues uh, you know, with shooting and executing the half court because they were generating turnovers, they were getting out in transition and converting. Well, now they're playing better competition with better guards, experienced SEC players uh, who aren't coughing up the rock at such a high rate, but they're still fouling. So they're kind of falling onto, onto the wrong end of the spectrum with that right now. And, and I, I do think that's an issue um, that they've got to work on, they've got to adjust to. I don't agree with all the calls last night. Um, I think, I think 56 fouls and 66 free throws combined in a game is absurd. It, it's not good for viewing. Did anybody enjoy watching that game last night? Just from a pure, like, man, I want to sit and watch a basketball game. If it was any other two teams and I was just watching it casually on a night, um, I probably would have turned it to a different channel. It was, it was brutal. So, you know, uh, that's kind of irritating, but I mean, it is what it is. Joey Moses says, too much dribbling. This team does not know how to pass the ball. How many times did number four I just take off and stumble and dribble off his feet? Yeah. Well, they struggle with the uh, with the zone, you know, in just terms of, you know, consistent player movement off the ball, I think leads to better movement on the ball. So, you know, definitely something to work on. Daniel Wilkerson says, always going to have haters no matter what. Yeah, this is true. Zachary Beeler says, our ball handling has got to improve. Yeah, you definitely don't want your, you know, your backcourt to be getting, you know, ripped in the, in the open floor like we saw a couple times last night. Tyler Miller says, why was Mikel not getting any time? Yeah, you know, Mikel's a guy who, what he start the last two games, I thought he did, you know, pretty well. He's a presence on the interior for Arkansas, I think he's a good rim protector. Uh, he got exploited a little bit, especially against Vanderbilt. Um, you know, when they, they were kind of dragging him out on the perimeter and taking advantage of him, that's where they were hitting some of their threes. Uh, you know, in this game, I think Muss was asked, he kind of got ticked off by the question, you know, was it a an injury or was it a, you know, a coaching decision not playing him? He's like, no, it's a, it's a coaching decision. Missouri plays four guards. Um, I think they're just a, you know, a fast team, an up-tempo team. 
Um, even, you know, they play Kobe Brown at, at center a ton. He I mean, he's a small forward, power forward kind of guy. You know, he can take it out on the perimeter and shoot threes and dribble it. Uh, so there just wasn't a great matchup, I don't think, you know, for, for Mikel in this game. I, I think that's what it was. Let's see. Scrolling through. A lot of conversation in here. I like it. Jonathan Parker says, do you still believe they can make the tournament? Yeah, I, I absolutely believe they can make the tournament. I, you know, like I said, I listen, you know, I've gotten to this point the last couple years, and it's usually when I hit this point where Arkansas really turns things around, right? It's where I'm like, man, I just, I don't know, I'm not seeing it. And then all of a sudden they, they go on a crazy streak. Well, here I am going, man, I don't know, I'm not seeing it. And it's not a, you know, I, I think they're going to lose every game the rest of the year. I don't feel that way at all. Uh, like I said, I, I think Muss is going to get as much as he can out of these guys. I think they're going to be playing good ball. But I don't know if I see that huge winning streak that kind of puts them back in that top 15 range, that three to four seed range. Uh, just with the schedule, the, the way it lines up, man, that, that would be some really impressive work if they did that. But do I think they're going to make the tournament? Yeah, I still believe that they will. I, I do. I, I think they're going to you know rattle off a few wins here. I think eventually all you got to do is get one on the road. You just got to taste that victory and, and just kind of figure out how to do it to get over that hump one time. Uh, and then maybe you can pick off a couple of these quad one wins and, and be in a good spot. But yeah, you know, if I had to, to kind of say where I think they'd wind up at this point, I think, you know, maybe in that eight to 10 seed range, which is not necessarily where you want to be, but hey, you get there and all bets are off. Yes, this is a good point. Jonathan Parker says, notice Ricky... Uh, had either a heating pad or something on his back at least one time on the bench. I noticed that too. Um, I wonder if it's one of those, uh, yeah, maybe like heating, like a little massage type things. I've seen um, several guys on the team like wear those during warm-ups at home games this season. Um, you know, I wonder if, you know, maybe just hit, if his back was getting stiff or whatever because he got in foul trouble there in the first half, sat for a long period of time. Maybe that's just a way to keep him keep him loose or something like that. I thought I saw him maybe stretching a little bit too at one point in the second half. So I, I don't know, maybe some back spasms or, or something there. I did notice that too. I'm glad you brought that up. Dustin Hoofman says, my only question is this, how big of an effect has this slide had on recruiting? I, I mean, I don't think any, you know, it, it's the 2023 class is already signed, sealed and, and delivered, right? I mean, you got blocker, you got fall locked up. Um, you know, the, the transfer portal season, is what it is, you know, it's just, that's just opportunities for guys. And so I don't, I don't think they really look at that. They know that, that Arkansas is going to have a talented roster and an opportunity to compete every year. Uh, you know, and then if you look forward to the 2024 guys, you know, if I'm only in my junior year of high school, I don't, I wouldn't care too much about, you know, how the team was doing, you know, in, in the present when I'm two years away from, from being there, I don't think it's really had an impact now you know, if they completely tank the rest of the year, then then maybe that's a different conversation. You want to have momentum going into the offseason. I think that's one thing Arkansas has been able to capitalize off of, making these deep NCAA tournament runs, right? You know, the, the transfers see that and they're like, hey, man, I want to come be a part of this. They get out on the grassroots circuits, the AAU events, and, you know, kids watch March Madness and they say, oh, man, yeah, Arkansas, you guys are in the Elite Eight. So I think that, that kind of momentum matters, but – um, no, I don't think it's been a big deal for him yet. I haven't sensed that at least. James LaDon Childress says, our bench played 28 minutes and Mizzou's bench played 84 minutes. I wonder why our bench is not developed enough to give Musk confidence to play him more. Well, I, I think part of that is because you have two guys out right now. Uh, so that makes you go two guys deeper into the bench. And the further you go down the bench, you know, the less... I don't want to say talented because it's not a good word for it, but, you know, experienced or, or ready, you know, those guys are. If you think about the beginning of the season or, you know, if, if Arkansas is at full strength, you probably have Nick in the starting lineup, uh, which probably means, you know, Devo is a hell of a six man for you. I mean, they were bringing a guy like Trevin Brazil off the bench. And, and so you just think about that right there. But it's a really good top seven without even getting into some of these other guys like Mikel. Uh, you know, Kamani, Graham, when he decides, he, you know, he's ready to play and opinion, whoever. Um, so I, I think it's attrition uh, is a little bit of a factor into that for sure. 
Uh, let's see. Cody L. James says, I know you said it's a lot to put on NSJ if he comes back, uh, but the games he has played, his attitude. Man, you rolled off again. There we go. His attitude says he wants to be that dude. Oh, yeah, for sure. He's a, he's a killer. The thing about Nick Smith Jr. is he is ultra competitive. That's the one thing that always stood out to me, even when he was in high school or, you know, just watching him play in random, you know, June AAU tournaments. Like, he is competitive. The dude is out to win. Um, and he doesn't shy away from, from you know, those moments. He'll, he'll be that alpha. And so I agree. I agree. It's still a lot. It's a lot to put on a guy's shoulders, um, you know, when he just hasn't played much or for so long. But, I mean, he's, he's projected as a, as a NBA lottery pick for a reason, right? So hopefully he gets back healthy. All right. I think we got through most of them there. Again, sorry if I, if I didn't get to your comment. These things are rolling off. Sometimes I miss some, but I think we've, we covered a pretty good deal. So anyway, 11 a.m. on Saturday, Arkansas and Ole Miss at, at Bud Walton Arena. Hogs got to get over the hump, right? It, it starts by winning a couple at home, getting that confidence back, and the big game at Baylor next weekend, I will be there. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens here. Um, in terms of the show, I, I'm tentatively uh, planning on doing a, a live reaction from Bud after this Ole Miss game. Um, and, and then I would like to do something to preview Baylor, and then obviously I'll be at the Baylor game, so we'll, we'll catch up with you from Waco. Uh, hey, appreciate you guys as always for, for tuning in to Hog Hoops Live. Enjoy the show. Enjoy the interaction. Appreciate you guys. Uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend, and let's see if the Hogs can get it done on Saturday. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.